Well, let's, uh, there's a lot of energy in here this morning. Isn't it exciting? God is so good, and He is amazing in what He is doing. I love the fact that you are talking about unstoppable faith. So we're going to talk about unstoppable friendships. You good with that today? So this morning, before we get started, I think it's really important that we take a moment and just give our hearts to God. So let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I believe there's probably someone in here this morning who's never been in an environment like this before. Maybe it's because they've been in a church that was all about religion and it got stuffy and they forgot about grace and they forgot about people and they forgot about the fact we are all hurting. Maybe there's just someone in here who's like, I don't, I don't know about this God thing. Someone invited me this morning, and I just don't know about this thing. Lord, I just pray that you are stirring within our hearts something unique. That you are planting a seed within our souls that we can listen to the teaching of your word. That we can understand that you love us in spite of us. And that you want to be a part of our lives. There is no sin too great for you to save. You came to save all sin. So Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts with that this morning. And in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, one of the things I, I really like is the, the stories of Paul. But we're going to go before Paul was Paul and talk about Saul. Okay? And Saul needed a good friend. So I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 9. And I apologize. I know you guys use the King James. I have an ESV here. So it, it's going to be pretty close, but you might hear some things that are, are a little bit different. But I want you to see something unique. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. This is where there's the conversion of Saul. And I want to go past the conversion point and go to the place where he needed a friend. How many of you have had good friends? Like best friends. I'm not talking about your brother and sister, someone who you know will be there thick and thin no matter what, and, and at times they, they're, they're annoying, right? you got brothers and sisters are completely annoying. I have three sisters. They're all annoying, all right? But I love them. I will be there for them no matter what. They're family. I'm not talking about that type of friendship. I'm talking about a friend who's willing to call you out when you're struggling, who is there for you, who you know when you call them, they will be there. That's the type of friend I'm talking about. Saul needed a good friend. And the reason he needed a good friend, because there was a conversion, there was a change that took place in his life. And as we see in the verses between 1 and 9, he actually comes to a place where he's blinded. He's been confronted with God. And I, I imagine he's lonely. His world has been turned upside down. He's attacking the church. He's doing everything he can do to go against God. And then God grabs a hold of him. And he's alone. He's blind. And he's relying on some guys, some soldiers that have no clue at what just happened. And this is what God does in verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he says, 
Here I am, Lord. Now that's really important to see. Because Ananias, all right, he's a, he's a disciple of God, and God comes to him. He, he, he hears God's voice, and what does he say? Here I am, Lord. How many times have you heard God's voice? I think most of the time you've heard something, and you're going, is that God? Is he trying to talk to me? But most of the time what he tries to say to us ends up being this, this thing that really is like, no, I ain't doing that. I don't want to listen to what you're about ready to tell me because I don't want to let go of that, right? But Ananias, he goes, here I am, Lord. What are you trying to say? Look what he says in verse 11. And the Lord says to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now listen to what Ananias says, because this is very important. This is my first point here. A good friend will be there. Right? You'll know a good friend when you go through life's hells and they're still there. Because all of us are going to experience some act of a hell in this world, right? We'll be there. Sometimes God calls us to be friends to our enemies. I want you to think about this for a moment. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says here. He says, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. I have heard, I've heard about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. He says, what, Lord? This guy? This guy's coming to kill me. And you want me to do what? There's something that's really important for understand. It's okay to question God. But it's not okay to deny God. It's okay to question and say, Lord, why? i got to tell you a story of this young man. Uh, I was coaching uh, sports, football. I love coaching football. I've been coaching football for 20 plus years. And I, I miss it. And uh, I miss it because of the relationships. And we had this coach. He was a young coach, about 21, 22 years old. He, he had been thrown in jail. And uh, he had gone to prison for a couple years. Um, and uh, he, had a, he had a child out of wedlock and all these types of things. And somehow he became part of our coaching staff. And uh, I, I, I'm very confident in myself. I've always been pretty confident in myself. And, uh, and he was constantly watching me because I was the pastor. And he heard about pastors and how pastors think they're better than everybody else. And uh, he was constantly watching me. And we made some mistakes. You know, you always make some mistakes in relationships, right? And you do some things and you get frustrated with kids and you handle things incorrectly. And he watched and he saw all of those things. Fast forward to about six years. And uh, we're having a baptismal service out at this camp. 
And for some reason, his name is Josh. For some reason, Josh came to our church, which, is, which was really odd because we weren't even at church. We had this big sign that says, we're down the road at the camp. And Josh had a tugging within his heart to come to church that day. And for some reason, usually they don't just, they're like, well, I'll come back next Sunday. But for some reason, he came out there. And guess what Josh did? Josh came out there in a full suit. Pastor Chip is in shorts and a teacher that says, I have decided because we're getting ready to baptize people. We're having grilled chicken. There's 600 and some people out there with kids and we're just having this great old time. He comes out there in his suit. He walks up to me and he was crying. And I said, what's going on, Josh? Because I need to talk to you. I want to do it right now, but I need to talk to you. I said, okay, and I, 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 there was a bunch of people there who knew Josh, so I, I took Josh to those people, and they had good conversation. They loved on Josh. And Josh, afterwards, I saw those baptisms, and he was just in awe of what God was doing. Josh says to me, hey, can you come over tonight? Now, you've got to understand something about Josh. I knew Josh didn't really like me. But that moment that God was like, there was a tug in my heart that said, you better go. And in my mind, I was like, no, I don't want to go. (laughs) I know how this guy feels about me. I don't really want to go. I went to his house that night. Walked in the door and he goes, I cannot believe that you're sitting in my house right now. He said, I cheated on my girlfriend. She's left me. She's taken our daughter. I don't know what to do. And he said, I have no idea why you're in my living room. I hate you. I hated you. But I've been watching you, and I knew that you did what you said you would do. That night, Josh asked Jesus to be his personal Savior. God healed him of all of those things. Then the church comes and begins to love on him. And Josh is a changed man today. Because we heard the call from God to go, even though it wasn't comfortable. And Josh told me all the things he didn't. You ever sit in a room and have some guy just say, this is why I hate you, this, 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 this. And you got to take the whole thing. And finally you go, Josh... Okay, why do you want, why am I here to just beat me up? No, you're here because I knew you loved the Lord. And I need the Lord. See, Ananias understood the love of the Lord. And and guess what? God had already gone before him. And the next point I want you to see here, this verse is, we'll be there. But we, know, we need to know after we're there the gentleness of a soft touch. Know the power of a gentle touch. Look at this. The Lord says to him, verse 15, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. See, Josh was a chosen instrument of God. 
to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer. Now, now does that sound glorious to you? I'm going to show Saul how much he's going to have to suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hand on him, he says this, Brother Saul. The first thing he does is he gives them a gentle touch. He says, Brother Saul. Now I know when I walk into a Baptist church because they're going to call me Brother Chip. Right? They're going to call me Brother Chip. And I used to get so annoyed that people would call me Brother Chip. You know why they do that? Because they're saying, I am one like you. One who knows the Lord, and we are in the same family. Brother Chip. And here we see Brother Saul. So, in a nice part, he enters the house and laying his hands on him. He gives him the gentle touch. He lays his hand. There's nothing more encouraging than having someone when you're going through a deep struggle within your life to have someone place their hand on you and say, I'm here, I'm listening. Not, I'm here, listen to me. I'm here, I'm listening. What's going on? My dad was great at giving gentle touches. We lost my dad to COVID in August. And uh, it, was a, it was a hard season for us. But the amazing stories that have come, my dad was in charge of all of those missionaries over the world. And he traveled all around the world. And we kept hearing stories upon stories upon stories of how my dad would put his gentle touch on someone who was going through a struggle. Divorce. Sin. Pornography. Embezzlement. It didn't matter my dad would put his gentle hand on that person's back and say, God loves you. God loves you. Because God loves you, I love you. There's nothing greater than having the gentle touches there. I'm I'm a touchy-feely type of person. I like hugs. Right? Do you like hugs? How many of you don't like hugs? Okay, make sure we get a hold of those people right there at the end of the service. They've never experienced, they have never experienced a true godly touch, have they? Right? Most of the time we don't like to be touched because we're afraid of the reason why they're going to touch us. Let me tell you something. When God touches us, there is no agenda other than He loves you. And when God's people touch you, there should be no other agenda except for God loves you. We need to know the power of a gentle touch. It's not easy, is it? (laughs) This guy wants to kill me. I touch him. His eyes are going to be open. He's going to grab his sword and whoop. There goes my head, right? Isn't that what we do? We, we look at all of the scenarios. We don't go, okay, God, you know what you're doing. We're going, oh, guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch this guy. God's going to do what he says he's going to do, and that guy's taking my life. 
but not Ananias because he knew God. And you know what? Not Ananias because even if he took his life, he knew who his father was. He knew that he was going to spend eternity with heaven. Was it hard to lose my dad? Absolutely. My dad was one of my dearest friends. But man, I would never ask him to come back. Because he's with his father. He is experiencing the true understanding of what it means to have a gentle touch. A gentle touch goes a long way. Laying your hand on a hand, touching someone's back, giving a hug, a soft touch can soften the blow. Soft touch can soften the blow. The third thing I want you to see here is also in 17. You speak the right right words at the right time. That's why he says, Brother Saul. You need to know when to speak the right words. Making them feel comfortable. You put their hand on them. You, you share with them in a soft tone. Ananias was confirming to Saul that it was a safe place. I think what's so tragic about church today is that church hasn't become the safe place. That's what I love about Todd. I know that's not the case here. The church that I pastored for eight years, we were called the Church of Misfits. Because I'm divorced. But I remember when my wife left me, I was kicked out of my church. I was kicked off the worship team. I was told I would never serve in the church again. But that's how I was raised. That's what I was taught. I was like, you know what, this is the consequence of my sin. Yeah, she cheated, but there were things I did wrong too. I wasn't the husband I should have been. I, shouldn't have, I should have loved her the way Christ loved her. I was a selfish young man. But then someone, this older lady from my dad's church, I came because I came crawling back to church after partying and drinking and sleeping with girls and doing all these things that I was trying to experience life with because I was like, well, I can't serve in the church, so I might as well just do what I want to do. And it didn't make me happy. I came back to church. I remember sitting in that parking lot. It took me forever to come in. It was my dad's church. I thought for sure. I thought for sure they were going to ridicule me. But I came in there and this old lady, she gave me this huge hug. Name is Patty. She said, I've been praying you would come back. Speaking the right words is so important. Unstoppable friendships are understanding that God is stronger than anything else and that God will restore people to Himself. It's not my responsibility to restore people into God. It's God's responsibility to use me as the instrument to love people so that when we love them, they'll be restored to that health, right? God does the work. But if we're not willing to speak the right words, if we're not willing to put the gentle touch, I guarantee you that that woman does not do 
what she did in my life, I am not standing here right where I am today. And then that lady, two months later, she said, guess what, Chip? You're going to be the pastor of our church someday. I said, you're full of crap. (laughs) That is not going to happen. And I'll tell you why it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because I've seen what the church has done to my dad. And I will never let someone do that to me. Lord bless me with a beautiful, my best friend, you saw her picture. Beautiful wife, we've got some beautiful children. God sent us to Word of Life for five years in the ministry. And then my dad transitioned to Word of Life, and the church calls me and says, Hey, you want to be our pastor? I'm like, no, I have a business degree. And besides that, I'm not qualified. And they said, Chip, no, we know your heart. You are qualified. I said, nah, well, I'll just put my name in. I'm not going to get the job. I'll start work, finding construction jobs to do again. And what does God do? I have no idea how he did it, but somehow I got voted in. <laughs> and God changed my heart. But it took the gentleness of Patty. She's still one of my best friends. She's 80-some years old. Just just short little lady. She prays for me every day. But it started with her gentle response by putting her arms around me and saying, I'm so thankful you're back. I have been praying for you. Speak the right words at the right time. The last point I have is, is that we don't waver in that support. I want you to think about this. Look at verse 18. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Immediately the, the change that takes place in Saul's life. Next part of the verse, it says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in a synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Now this is the same Saul that's persecuted the church. This is the same Saul that stood by by Timothy. It's the same Saul that stood by Stephen. This is the same Saul that wanted the whole church to die. The same Saul. Saul that hung, that took in all of the coats so they can stone Stephen. This is the same Saul, but yet God saw something more. And all who heard him were amazed and said, It is not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name, and he has not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength. When we have God in our life, we increase more in His strength. But when we don't, it's like 
we get weaker and weaker and weaker. During that season in which I walked away from the Lord because the church dismissed me because of my divorce, I became weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And it got to that point where there was like death sitting at my doorstep. I didn't want to live any longer. I didn't want to have any meaning any longer. But I thank God the Holy Spirit didn't leave me. Because he kept saying, just go back. Just go back. Just go back. Just go back. Stop being so prideful, man. Just go back. You see the change that's taking place. But then I want you to look at verse 26. I want you to skip down a little bit. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. But listen to what it says here. And they were all afraid of him. They saw a change, but because of the person who he was, they were afraid of him. So many times we do not reach out to that person that God is saying go to him or go to her because we're afraid of the things that they did in their past and that it might hurt us again. But when God says go, it's okay to question why we need to go, but we still need to be obedient to the call to go. The hardest thing that I've had to do in the last year was God called me to leave my church and to trust Him and to to go into a different direction. There was nothing wrong. Our church had exploded. We had a bunch of pastors. And I realized at that moment it was like God had provided the people to take the church to another level. He's got a different plan. When He said to go, it was time to go. But then when he said go to me, I started thinking about, but that person still works there, and that person still works there, and that person still does that, and that person still does that. And he said, I don't care what that person does. I'm asking you to go. But this is the sign of a true friend, one that doesn't waver in their support. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the, to the apostles and declared to him, How on the road he had seen the Lord, he spoke to him. And how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. See, Barnabas did not let the fear of man cloud his judgment of God's man. He shows us how not to waver in their support. For the last eight years of pastoring our church, it was so cool to see a congregation that didn't waver in their support for me. Because no matter what, it wasn't about what God was allowing me to do, but what God was doing through me and the people in the church. Don't waver in your support. See, unstoppable friends are this, and this is how we're going to kind of conclude our time together. See, unstoppable godly friends are there 
even when it's not easy. Unstoppable godly friends are there even when it's not easy. God calls us to love some people that we just don't like. Luke 6 is one of my favorite passages that reflect that a little bit. Listen to what what it says here. Verse 27, but I say to you who here love your what? Enemies. Love your enemies. Does that sound like fun? But he doesn't give us an option. The greatest commandment is love. And the first thing he says to us is love your enemies. Why? Because before you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you were one of his enemies, but yet he still loved you. But I say to you here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Yeah, that sounds like fun. (laughs) Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who what? Abuse you. I have an ex-wife that still abuses me. I don't get to see my daughter much. My daughter's 22 years old, graduated from college, hoping that her boyfriend, whatever he is at this point in time, after three years, would get off his seat and finally marry her, those types of things. But that girl loves the Lord. I didn't get to spend much time with my daughter. Because her mom hated me. But every day, me and my wife, we pray for her. We pray that our heart will be changed. It hurts. Like I was telling Todd and Becky this morning, I probably won't see my grandkids on that side very much. That's the consequence of my sin. And I can accept that consequence, but it doesn't give me the right not to be obedient to who God is. Because God's grace restored me. God's grace restored you. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God's grace can restore you too. See, unstoppable godly friendships are there even when it's not easy. My wife has still never had a conversation with my ex-wife been almost 20 years because she hates me that much. But yet my daughter still loves me. And my daughter still loves the Lord. Unstoppable godly friends listen to God, not to people. This is really important. Unstoppable godly friendships listen to God and not to people. I've seen more marriages fall apart because a friend said, just leave them. That is unbiblical. 
The reason why God has placed that person in your life is to strengthen you. And when you say, I'm going to leave that person, basically you're saying that God didn't know what he was doing. And marriage is hard. Marriage is tough. But unstoppable godly friendships, listen to God, not to people. If you're truly a godly friend, you will tell them that they need to find a way to work it out, to help them find the help they need to get the help. Unstoppable godly friendships, listen to God, not to people. Can God use godly people to help get you in the right path? Absolutely. But please discern that they're a godly person. Third thing in our closing thoughts. Unstoppable godly friends knows what a friend needs. You know what a friend needs. Hey, I know when my wife needs chocolate. It happens about every 30 days. I can see the signs. The way she talks, the way she responds, the way she talks to our children. It's like, yep, it's time for chocolate. And now I have a daughter who's just like it. Now I gotta now I gotta figure out them both, right? We know what our best friends need, don't we? My best friend is Steve. He lives in Michigan. We've had some hard times. He's a treasure at our church. I have no idea why he stayed at the church. We went through some tough times. But, I, but godly, unstoppable friends are even there when you disagree on things. He was the first person to call me when my dad died. I'm traveling over up there Memorial Day weekend. His oldest son is graduating. I mean, we were unstoppable friends. We played softball together. And he'll tell you a different story. But he'd go up to the plate, and he was a mouthy guy. And he would start these fights. And sure enough, what's a friend got to do? you got to protect your friend. And I'd be that first person to tackle that guy that was about ready to punch his lights out. He'd tell you a different story that it was the other way around. But through thick and thin, we are friends. I know that Todd would do the same thing for me, and I know I would do the same thing for Todd. Unstoppable, godly friendships, they know what their friends need. And finally, unstoppable, godly friends understand God's grace. Unstoppable, godly friends understand godly grace. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to just kind of think through some things. Maybe there's something in your life that is that is keeping you from wanting to have a relationship with God. It's a verse that we all learn in Sunday school, and if you haven't been a part of a church, it's John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His, what? Only Son. 
to die for us so that we could have life in Him. So I pray, Lord, that maybe there's someone in here this morning that was invited by one of these unstoppable godly friends to come today. And this is the first time you've heard something like this. Or maybe you've been going through some struggles in your life, but you don't have a relationship with God. And and you're saying, I need something like Pastor Chip is talking about right now. If you're someone like that this morning, it's very simple, just right there in your seat, you can just say, God, I am a sinner. I'm a wretched sinner. And I want you to come into my life. I want you to come into my life and change me. I'm hopeless. I need you. Lord, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for me, but the grave couldn't hold you there. And that three days later, you rose again, and I believe that you are alive and that you are sitting at the right hand of God and that you are preparing a place for me. For someone who has said that prayer this morning, I just want you to look at me. God loves you. God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. But maybe there's someone in here that not just only needs the Lord, but you know what has been distant from God. Maybe this has just been a bad week. You say, you know what, honey? I want to relinquish the things in my life to God. If there's anyone like that, I would just encourage you. I would encourage you to say, lift up your hand and say, I am struggling and I need you, Pastor Chip, to pray for me. I love you to pray for me. My life has been a living hell. Yes, I'm a Christian. I know I can go to the Lord, but I'm having a hard time doing this on my own. Just lift up your hand and say, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm struggling. Yes, I see that hand. I see those hands. Yes. I want to give you a moment this morning to come forward. Let this altar be yours. If you've invited Jesus in your life for the very first time, I would love to. I'll just stand over here on the side, and I know Todd is is up here as well. I'll, I'll pray for you. I would love to just spend some time praying with you. If you're someone who is just hurting, struggling, and need of a cleansing from God and you want to come up here and give your soul the strength that it needs from the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you have the strength to do that. Lord, we finish this service out. This altar call and the music playing and our hearts are filled with you. Lord, I pray that we all to a place of loving you like we've never loved you before. In Jesus' name.